welcome 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 to all things dorothy's daughter i am your host my name is nini thank you so much for continuing to listen this has just been a fantastic time that i'm having i hope that you're having a fantastic time i am encouraging you to please go on to my facebook page which is all things dorothy's daughter or go on to my Instagram page, which is also All Things Dorothy's Daughter, and leave me messages. A good friend of mine encouraged me to ask that you go out to social media and let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you think you have a wonderful story you'd love to share with the world, and I can be that conduit to make that happen. Is it conduit? Even my school teacher friends know that I am not that great with uh, using words correctly. But anywho, I would love to continue to hear your comments. Was there something that struck out or that struck a chord with you and you learned something? Please, please let me know so that I can share that with others and also share it with your friends and let them know this is a good place to be on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So we know this month, which is almost coming to an end, but we have been talking about friends, friendships, um, just all types of being a friend at work, um, just several different friend discussions. And on today's episode, I'm sure I'm going to get some people sending me messages about this because I'm going to tell you right now, your child is not your friend quote unquote. You, you can't see my finger quotes, but your child is not your friend. So let me break this down a little bit for you. Um, there is definitely an emotional part of the parent and, and child relationship, and that's built on affection and esteem. And parents and children, we all know that um, it's generally genetically geared to, or excuse me, parents and children are genetically geared, right? There's this connection with a parent and child that you are geared to love each other. And that's a beautiful thing, right? We definitely, I don't want my children to not love me, but there is a stage where parenting becomes a functional role and not just an emotional role. So let's break that down a little bit, right? Because um, with babies and infants, the emotional role shows when the mom, she shows her love by holding the baby, talking to them, singing to them, reading them books. And the functional role of that mother, it that involves feeding them, changing their diaper, bathing them, um, taking care of them when they're sick. And of course, one without the other, it's damaging for the child, right? There's so many studies that show that um, the baby needs both the functional and the emotional role from a parent. Um, because one without the other, we all, you know, I said it, it's damaging to the child. So if she just, if the mother just loved the child but didn't do the functional things, that child would be at great risk of being harmed and neglected, right? That's what people would look at that patient, patient I'm thinking about. <laughs> Guys, I'm thinking about work. That child um, would be damaged. 
and it, you know, if the mother just took care of the functional things that the baby needed and didn't show that child any love, that also would have long-term effects on the child's emotional development, right? So the functional and emotional parenting roles, those two things go hand in hand. And it's not healthy to just think about one at the cost of the other because a child needs both of them. But I think about this as kids grow older, I think that the parent's role is probably becoming more functional and less emotional, which I think is a hard lesson for parents um, to understand because some parents, they want to be their child's best friend. And as parents, you may feel emotions inside, but they really have to do more for their child functionally and set limits with the child, right? Because limit setting is a very healthy function. It's how kids learn to figure out what's safe and what's not safe, um, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And the functional role changes for the parent as the child grows. Um, because think about it, with a with a one-year-old, one that involves changing diapers. But with an eight-year-old, that functional role involves make sure you're getting your homework done. Um, with a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, you know, that functional role involves enforcing their curfew or making sure that they are attending that party that they said that they were going to. And I think parents often, they make the mistake of turning that child into their confidant. Now, I'm not going to say that I haven't made that mistake before because I have, but when we do that, what we're saying is we want that child to be our friend and that is creating in them to be our confidant and it just doesn't fit with the role of being a functional parent so it's it's um you know i'd say it's just it's a very well-meaning situation that a lot of parents fall into um because you know, parents want to share with their child how they really feel about somebody, how they really feel about their grandmother. I mean, you know, guys, we've done it. Who else can give me a high five, give me an amen. You want to tell your child how you really feel about that neighbor who always lets their tree leaves fall in your lawn. Um, you really want to tell them how you feel about their stupid teacher, right? The kid comes home and mom, my little stupid teacher. And you want to tell them what you think about their stupid teacher as well. But that's ineffective, right? Because the child is, is not morally, they're not emotionally, or in, you know, they don't have the intellect to play that role. So if you're 40 years old and, and you want a confidant, you might want to try to find another 40-year-old or another 50-year-old or 30-year-old. But you really shouldn't look to your 10-year-old, your 13-year-old, your 16-year-old, your 5-year-old, um, your 18-year-old as your confidant because they're not your friend. And if a parent, if you think that your child or your teacher, excuse me, if you think the child's teacher, because we mentioned sometimes you come home and be like, that stupid teacher, um, that the teacher is really wrong, you sh as a parent should keep that to yourself and deal with the school directly, right? Because if you think the teacher is an idiot, 
for not letting your child, you know, have their cell phone in the room, you could be your child's best friend and say, that's a dumb rule. You, you know, your teacher's so stupid, such a jerk. Or why would they do that? Or you can be a functional parent and say, boy, I really disliked that rule too when I was in school. You know, maybe it's not a cell phone. Maybe it's, who knows, a Game Boy, <laughs> whatever it is. But um, that's what functional parents say, right? And then that functional parent will then say, but I had to follow the rules, right? Those are two different responses. Those are, first you say, oh, that teacher's such an idiot. Don't they realize how important it is for you to have your cell phone in class versus, hey, I I do, you know, I hated that rule as well when I was in school, but, you know, we got to follow the rules. See how different that is and and what um, the conversation looks like? Because think about both of those responses. They empathize with, with the kid, but one makes them confident and one is going to make them ineffective. Um, the other teaches him the importance of following the rules. So remember this, because if you punch holes in an, in an authority figure, you know, you think you're being a confidant to your child. Don't be, don't be surprised when they actually start disrespecting other authority figures as they get older. And then if you give them consequences for that disrespect, he or she is going to look at you like, why you look, why are you telling me that? You know, you were all my gung and ho, my ride or die, home girl, home boy, back when I was telling you about that teacher. Now all of a sudden you want me to follow some rules? Because um, when you're, you know, you, you're, when you're making that child your confidant, you are basically telling them that they are the co-decision makers in your home, right? But the fact is, you and your child should not be co-decision makers in any way. Well, any realistic way. I mean, you can make co-decisions if you're going to watch SpongeBob or I don't even know what kids shows are on now, (laughs) but you can make a co-decision then. But um, kids should not be making those decisions with you. Um, especially important ones, but even some minor ones, um, they have to be made by you. They have to be made by the parent because the kids have to understand that family moves as a unit and that adults make decisions, not kids. Um, I think you can, you know, you can share things with your child, but you can share without turning him or her into your confidant, turning him or her into your best friend. Um, one of the things you can share with a child, maybe you can say, you know, what, we can't afford that. You know, it's, it's factual. The kids understand that there are limits which you must live in and that's what you've told them. But what you should not share with the child is, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent this month, right? It's something that the child isn't prepared for. They're, it's putting stress on them and they can't eat, their stomachs are hurting. And it's putting inside of him or her or developing within within them a way of looking at the world that's maybe unhealthy and and not realistic. And so if you have the tendency to treat your child as a quote-unquote friend, you should understand the important interpretation of friendship, which is what we've been talking about um, over this last, last month. And friends, you know, they're a group of people. They have the same 
notion about ideas and life. And the truth is, children and adults, we have very different notions about what they should be doing, right? I have a feeling what my children should be doing. They have their own thoughts on what they should be doing. Um, And they have entirely different notions about what's right and wrong. They have entirely different notions about what they are going to do tonight. So I think that you need to be a parent to your child and be loving. You need to be caring. You need to be responsible. But you also need to find competence outside of your fam- the family structure. And, you know, thinking, kind of digging deeper a little bit, and I've done this before too, because parents, they want to raise their kids the way that they wish their parents would have raised them, right? Even for me, it it sounds all nice and fine and dandy, but it just doesn't work. You know, I've read some studies that say it doesn't work. Um, If your parents were distant, if they were a little harder on you or they seemed uncaring to you or seemed more self-involved, they made horrible personal mistakes and they didn't give you the guidance you needed, Um, you, as a parent, you shouldn't overcompensate for that by violating that parent-child boundary because this ends up being just a reaction from something that you've suffered. So remember that anything done in reactionary way is going to have unforeseen consequences. And the biggest problem with parent-child friendships is all of the unforeseen consequences parents tend to only look at the foreseen consequences. Like, for example, um, my child would like me more if I'm his or her friend. He or she will trust me more. And as a parent, you don't look at the unforeseen consequences of that, such as he won't listen to to a word um, you say or anyone else says because you never taught him or her how to deal with it. So the goal of adolescence, right, is separation from adults. That means the child will grow up and have his own beliefs. He is his or her own business rules, and he's not going to want to share with adults. So you need to know that it's not a violation of the parent-child relationship for that child to develop his own sets of friends and his, his or her own sets of values. But those friends and values are or may not be healthy from a parent's point of view or an objective observer's, at least somebody else's point of view, because it's the child's job to work through that. And people who don't um, become individuals from their parents in pre-adolescence and adolescence end up with emotional and social problems. That's not me saying that. That's what the studies have said. And many parents see um, what happens sometimes. Many parents who see this child becoming an individual, they feel abandoned by their child, right? When they have parented too much in the emotional role um, and have acted as that child's friend, that's when you see parents feel a a huge sense of loss and they try to compensate for that loss. Guess what they do? They They blame the child and it's not fair to that child, right? So if you think about it, you can be your child's friend, but you cannot be his or her confidant because the key to to having a responsible friendship with your child 
You know the old saying, friends don't let friends drive drunk? Well, friends don't let friends not do their homework. Friends don't let friends make excuses for failure. Friends don't let friends badmouth the teacher and defy the rules in the classroom. That's the type of friend you need to be to your child. You need to be a responsible friend. You know, and the role model of responsible friendship is identical to the role model of responsible parenting. So it's never too late, right? You know, I gave the example or I talked about um, giving your child too much information, saying we can't afford that versus we're not going to be able to pay the rent. You know, you might be like, oh, my God, over the years, I've shared way too much with my child. Who knows what they're thinking? Um, You know, if you've shared too much with your child, whatever the reason is, um, you could still change that and you could still become more effective. It starts by talking to your child, you know, about what you're going to talk about from now on. You can say, you know, I've decided that there are some things I should be talking to other adults about. So I'm not going to talk to you about them anymore because I think it hurts our relationship. You don't have to be specific about what it is. You could just make sure that you are crystal clear. And then you need to learn how to respond differently to your child, not simply demand the child to communicate differently. For example, if you and your child have been talking about what a jerk a certain teacher is for all those years, and of course the child comes home and tells you what a jerk the teacher is, you, simp- you just can't just stop them in the middle all of a sudden and say, don't, don't, don't call a teacher a jerk anymore. That kid going to look at you like you're crazy. Like, what is going on with mama or daddy? He or she on crack? Instead, you know, you can say something like, I don't think it helps us to label our teacher, label the teacher or call the teacher names. Um, let's just figure out how we can handle the situation successfully. Right? So it, a irresponsible friend will just sit around and badmouth the teacher with their child and a responsible friend will help their child solve the problem he or she is having with the teacher right that leads to children understanding how to solve problems as young people they then become adults and learn how to solve problems when they are in the workforce or running their own business or whatever avenue they're doing as they become adults in their relationships and in their marriages. They are now learning because they've learned from you or they have learned from you how to solve problems. Isn't that a better friend idea for your child? Last thing I wanna touch on too is because when families get divorced, sometimes, not all the time, but I do hear it sometimes on both sides, the mother and the father, they end up trying to be the child's confidant. They want to be the confidant. They want to be the favorite one. And they want to think, make the child want to be with them more. And that only puts the kid in the middle. Um, the mother's maybe telling him the father's a jerk or, you know, what he's not doing and what he is doing. And then the father is talking about the mom like she's crazy, you know, how controlling she is. And then the kid will end up the kid end up saying so if the dad was saying the mom's controlling the kid now says your mom is so controlling right you all have heard it we've seen it um because what you're saying matters words matter and what the kids are doing is they're just being like a little parrot they're saying whatever the other parent is saying 
about one another. And that's one of the most poisonous things that you can do um, to your children, even though some of it might be true to some degree, kids can see it and they react differently because they don't have the maturity to act differently, you know, to, to, to react in a different manner. So by treating the child or your kids as a confidant during that time, that empowers the child to attack the other parent and you don't want that. And so I was reading this, um, these studies that I found, this was interesting from 1966 when it talks about, uh, they were looking at three major approaches to parental control and there's the permissive parent and those parents are reluctant to impose rules and standards. They, um, they prefer to let their kids kind of regulate themselves. Um, the authoritarian parent, they demand a short or blind obedience from their child. It does not sound like a good, that was definitely not the friend, right? I would say more of the, the passive parent is considered a friend. Now, again, even send me some nasty comments because all comments I welcome. But um, what, type, what type of parent are you? There's the last one, which is the authoritative not the authoritarian, but there's the authoritative parent, and they take a different, more modern approach that emphasizes setting high standards, being nurturing and responsive, and showing respect for children as independent rational beings. The authoritative parent expects maturity and cooperation and offers children lots of emotional support. So, what type of parent are you? Are you practicing? You know, let me just give you a few examples of what an authoritative parent tends to say. So this was a study that was done and they were asking them on, on a numerical scale, um, a series of statements. And this study concluded that these are some of the statements that an authoritative parent tend to agree with it they say i take my child's wishes and feelings into consideration before i ask him or her to do something i encourage my child to talk about his or her feelings i try to help when my child is scared or upset i provide my child with reasons for the expectations i have for him or her i respect my child's opinion and encourage him or her to express them even if they are different from my own now, here are parents that are authoritative. They agree with these statements. I let my child get away with leaving, oh, excuse me, less, less authoritative. So these are the passive ones. I let my child get away with leaving chores unfinished. I bribe my child to get him to comply with my wishes. I explode in anger toward my child. I punish my child by withdrawing affection. So thinking about some of those statements and some of those examples and thinking about your own parenting skills are you trying to be your friend's confidant are you trying to be excuse me not your friends your child's confidant and hindering their growth are you considering the impact of how you are 
being or acting as you know like a parent with that child um, how is that going to impact their relationships whether they get into a relationship with their significant other are you teaching them the skills that they're going to need to be able to handle conflict and come to resolutions and assuring that you're not their friend again you're you're their if you want to look at it like this you can look at it as you should be their unwavering friend meaning that friend that's going to tell them right from wrong always 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 and not look to just hang out with them and their buddies or them and their girlfriends you know going to the beach going to parties and because you want to feel like you're a part of the group or the team or the you know your teens group how are you and how do you think that's going to impact their life so again i am not telling you what to do but i would love to hear your thoughts on if you think you can be your child's friend if something i said struck a nerve pissed you off or you see that in someone else and you'd love to share that experience and lastly make sure you go on subscribe so you don't miss the podcast leave your comments i encourage you and i am asking you to please leave your comments on facebook instagram or twitter all of them are all things dorothy's daughter so it should be easy to find me and i want to know what type of conversations do you want me to have do you have a story or a topic that you find very interesting and would love for us to discuss go on again to um, one of the social media platforms and let me know send me a message I love reading the messages that I've been receiving. So I am grateful that you've taken this 30 minutes of your day to listen with your two ears and please pick up your phone and and go leave a comment as soon as you can. Continue to share, continue to join and make the rest of the week a fantastic week. Thank you.